right, welcome into Surviving Paradise, the podcast that takes a sometimes serious, oftentimes humorous look at the claim by Jehovah's Witnesses that they are living in a modern day spiritual paradise. I am your host, Stacy Bauman, former elder, ministerial servant, most importantly, a kid raised as one of Jehovah's Witnesses throughout the 70s and 80s quickly becoming a really unique generation among Jehovah's Witnesses as we all age. As I like to do here, a quick warning. We try to have some fun. We try to heal. Sarcasm, humor, experiences, everything are nothing more than all mine, and they are never meant to offend. They are simply my own take and observation on my own experience. Welcome in. We're always happy to have new people join us in paradise. (laughs) And I tell you, I have a big subject this week. Not one I take lightly because I get asked this a lot and I have to admit that at the risk of sounding self-serving, I sometimes wonder if I'm even covering this particular subject and giving it the type of justice and play it should get, but we're going to take a shot at it. We're going to take a shot at it this week. First and foremost, I am big on authenticity, almost to a fault. And it's a strange subject for me. I'm still not sure how it all works in my head when considering all things authenticity. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you can relate. I struggle, and I mean I really struggle with fake stuff. It's just not my thing, and I don't understand it. And let me give you an example of what I mean. I love Disneyland, okay? I'm outing myself here. A big Disney guy, maybe it's my age generation, grew up on it. Mostly because I'm entering the park knowing it's time to indulge in fantasy or fun, stories, good times, laughs. I love Disneyland. I go in with a certain kind of mindset. But I have to tell you, I absolutely hate Las Vegas. And for anyone that lives there, please, please know I'm not trying to offend you. Um, I just am not a fan of Las Vegas. And by Las Vegas, I mean the Strip. Mostly because I feel like I've been dropped into the most inauthentic environment I've ever been in. I've ever seen. And I had to travel there so often. I was there all the time. And I've never liked it. I got no problems, as an example, taking a picture with Mickey Mouse at Disneyland. Even though it's probably some guy named Chad who lives in Costa Mesa. Doesn't bother me. But I would walk by people on the Strip in Las Vegas, taking pictures in front of the Paris Casino and screaming with joy and excitement to get their picture taken, quote, with the Eiffel Tower. (laughs) Who wants to tell them? (laughs) Who wants to tell them? As a kid, I wouldn't even take an autographed football card because I wasn't present to witness the player actually sign it. Was it authentic? I know, I'm outing myself here in the way I think a little bit. Was it even his signature? Who knew? I genuinely get excited when a kid or person gives me a gift that they made specifically for me. Much more excited than a gift I might get from someone they got on Amazon. Maybe this all goes without saying, I don't know. But it's how I think about authenticity. I've always been weird this way. I was offered some really, really cool things over the years, but they were knockoffs or they were copies of the real thing. And frankly, I just wasn't interested. It doesn't do anything for me. I put a lot of weight in authenticity, the original, the real thing. And as I've repeated on this show far too many times, many, many times before, I'm really big on motive. I don't know uh, if everybody shares that same type of feeling. I don't know if this is even common with other people. I don't know if this is common worldwide among Jehovah's Witnesses, but as an elder and a visiting public talk speaker, as another example, someone would be assigned, and I do mean assigned, and oh, the irony, to show the speaker, quote, hospitality, but it had to be assigned to someone to make it happen. Again, not really authentic, and often I I wouldn't even go to lunch afterward based on that reality. I just knew that they were assigned and they were begrudgingly taking the speaker out to lunch. But I'll tell you what, 
in my time as a Jehovah's Witness, I would then have a little person walk up to me after the meeting, after the final prayer the speaker gives, with a picture that they drew about my talk, my public talk. And I got to tell you, I loved it. It meant so much to me. And I still have a stack of those pictures. I threw away all the literature, which I also regret in hindsight, but I kept all the pictures given to me by little people out in the audience. I'm just big on authenticity. I'm big on pure motivation. Maybe it goes without saying. But for that reason, I've long been intrigued by the concept of being a fake Jehovah's Witness. And before I go any deeper, I'm going to say this as firmly as I possibly can. I am not in any way judging anyone that chooses that course. And as you will soon see, I even recommend it in some cases. But the concept of being a Jehovah's Witness for reasons other than true love for the invisible guy and his earthwide organization has always been of interest to me. It continues to fascinate me for all the reasons aforementioned regarding authenticity. It's not without difficulty and challenges. It's a complex subject. One of the most common questions I get from people is this. Hey, Stacy, is it okay to fake being a Jehovah's Witness? Do you have a problem with that? You think that's a good plan? Or an admission by someone that they've been a fake witness all along? That one always blows my mind. But there is always the inevitable person who admits to not believing in some of the doctrines or even the governing body, but then asks the question, is there anything wrong with being a Jehovah's Witness? I mean, really, is there anything wrong with it? I love those two questions, and I see them as two different things, two different questions in many ways, and I want to hear, take the time to look at both of the questions, the dynamics, and some things to think about surrounding those questions. I could now just end this episode, save you all some time by simply stating, look, it's up to you, because frankly, it really is. I'm the last person to judge people anymore. I try really hard not to. Any decisions you have about being a Jehovah's Witness, or if it's even a good idea to be a Jehovah's Witness for you, is truly a you question and answer. The truth of the matter in choosing to be a fake Jehovah's Witness is that many, many have made that decision. As I mentioned, still others have considered whether it was wrong to be a Jehovah's Witness and may have made other decisions. It's all unique to each one of us, and nobody should judge the other person for the course they take. The leaked information out of World Headquarters in upstate New York, as an example, are proof, or is proof, that there are many brave souls that have chosen to put on a pretense of being a loyal Jehovah's Witness at the sacrifice of authenticity. And I have tons and tons of respect for those great people that are doing that. Frankly, the secret list of those that are doing that is growing daily, as we've come to see in recent months. And But I want to sit here, at least from my perspective, I think we're all very, very thankful to those that make that choice. They get us information, updates, and inform you know, all kinds of changes directly from the seat of God in upstate New York and the nine guys that run his organization. But that doesn't address what interests me most about this subject, or the questions. It's the authenticity surrounding the concept of worship, as well as what's wrong with being, truly being a Jehovah's Witness. Consider what a Jehovah's Witness who may be considering fading or faking it for a set period of time, maybe life, has to face. And please don't pass it off as no big deal for those people. Even for someone that is on the fence or knows something is wrong, they still battle with the very real emotions they've developed from decades, in most cases, of propaganda inside this organization, oftentimes since they were children, for those that were born into Jehovah's Witnesses. I'll start here. When the voice in your head that screams, something is wrong, won't shut up, and a dub is considering faking, fading, or ignoring it all, 
and continuing on, those decades of training create a sense of guilt and dread with neither decision or any decision being easy. Otherwise, everybody would be doing it at this point. Let me give you an example. You're a Jehovah's Witness. You do still believe in Jehovah. And you decide, ah, look, I'm going to fake it. They're wrong on this, they're wrong on this, this, and this. But it isn't that bad being a Jehovah's Witness. From the word go, a J-dub faking it and still hoping to love God, still wanting to be a Christian, really, really struggle. To choose a life of half-assing it, as it were, is a curious decision, at least from where I sit. It raises all sorts of other issues and questions that only each person has the right to answer. It's been my experience that many people who want to fake it or fade usually, at least in the beginning, still believe in Jehovah or the Bible. And well, let's be honest with ourselves. The Bible has a lot to say about whether faking it is a good idea or not. I take you to the New World Translation given to us by the nine guys in upstate New York, Mark chapter 12, verses 29 and 30, which says this to someone considering these types of decisions or questions. Quote, Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel. Jehovah our God is one Jehovah, and you must love Jehovah your God with your whole heart, and with your whole soul, and with your whole mind, and with your whole strength. End quote. So to drill the point home, Jehovah God then, earlier in the Bible, tells the prophet Samuel at 1 Samuel 16, 7, quote, Mere man sees what appears to the eyes, but as for Jehovah, he sees what the heart is, end quote. So we're getting somewhere on this, especially for someone contemplating these types of questions or decisions in their own life. Can I fake it? Is it even that big a deal to be a Jehovah's Witness? Aren't they just like other churches? On and on it goes. The Bible, if you're still holding on to that, and to a God watching on in heaven and reading your heart, eh, authenticity's a big deal. Faking it's going to be tough on you. And as you can see, it's not appreciated by God. The governing body goes on to say at the watch in the Watchtower of 2010, March 1st, page 23, under the article, He Sees What the Heart Is, we get this, quote, Appearances can be deceptive. What a person is on the outside does not necessarily reveal what he is on the inside, deep in his heart. Humans tend to judge from outward appearance. End quote. So there you have it. If you want to fake being a Jehovah's Witness or you just don't see it as that big of a deal, like you're just going to continue on this path, just note that while you can fool the people in your local congregation, maybe, you aren't going to fool Jehovah if you're still hanging on to that relationship. And what that usually leads to for people is a flood of emotions. This is where it gets complex. For a Jehovah's Witness who still believes in their version of Jehovah, but not in his organization, eh, the problems begin. First, they likely still hold on to the belief that Jehovah knows what they're doing. He sees their motives. He can get inside their heads and their hearts, and he sees any inkling or lack of authenticity. And unless they've made a full break from their baked-in belief system, it's highly uncomfortable for that person. In other words, Jehovah knows. And if they decided to stay in Jehovah's Witnesses in the organization despite disagreements and fake the entire lifestyle, it's likely they don't believe in Jehovah anyway. That's a bold statement, but it's very difficult to picture any person in this complex situation staying or faking or just continuing on as a Jehovah's Witness, all the while knowing that Jehovah sees inside their heart. In most cases, 
people who leave, leave it all. But many decide to stay and fake it because from the beginning, they've never been able to separate the God of the Bible from a publishing company in upstate New York. That's truly a real dynamic for a Jehovah's Witness. You see, emotionally, they're one and the same for a Jehovah's Witness. The Jehovah of the Bible, despite that not being his name, is made manifest in Watchtower magazines, conventions, dramatic videos, even modern-day cartoons and JW broadcasting. They never, in this case a witness contemplating whether to fake it or stay or if it's even a big deal, they never stop to contemplate that somehow that same God that they believe in or don't believe in at this point, also created the atom. He created the universe. The Bible tells us he beamed Enoch somewhere where he's hanging on tight till he's resurrected. He can talk to people through burning bushes. He can even put his son into a virgin's womb where he lives for nine months after creating everything else, all without uh, Stephen Lett or a single Bible study aid. The God they believe in was able to do all those things without the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. It's an interesting thing to contemplate when looking at this decision. So for a witness to contemplate faking it or fading, they have to somehow, at a time they can't even conceive of it, separate their love for God from their love of the governing body and a lifetime of servitude that they comfortably know. It becomes an issue of comfort. Authenticity can go out the window. It's what I know. And it's something that a witness faces when they're facing these types of questions. They don't want to lose their religion, but they don't believe their religion, at least not all of it. So they don't want to lose Jehovah, but Jehovah only loves this religion, or so they're told. And so it goes. A witness can find themselves in an emotional spiral. Maybe there's someone listening right now who's going, my God, this is exactly where I'm at. It's lonely, isn't it? It's really a lonely place to be. Scary. It's certainly uncomfortable. And for a witness that wants to keep Jehovah, they, in their mind, really feel like they also need to keep the religion somehow, some way. Therefore, faking it or just moving forward becomes an option. Aside from knowing the golden rule, which I just reminded us all of, and Mark, they've long heard that Jehovah is equal to also loving Sam Hurd, uh, David Splain, Mark Sanderson, and the rest of their pals there on the governing body anyway. There is no one, that being Jehovah, without the other that being the governing body. From the Watchtower of August 15th, 2014, page 21, we get this nugget of Holy Spirit, quote, Today, Jehovah guides his people by means of the Bible, his Holy Spirit, and the congregation. The guidance that we receive from him is so clear that it is as if our own ears hear a word behind us saying, This is the way walk in it. In effect, Jesus also conveys Jehovah's voice to us as he directs the congregation through the faithful and discreet slave. As of 2012, that's the governing body. Back to the quote, we need to take this guidance and direction seriously for our everlasting life depends on our obedience. End quote. And there you have it. There's no Jehovah without the governing body. Obedience to them is what's required to have Jehovah. Can you see the conundrum a Jehovah's Witness faces when considering, can I fake it? Can I just move forward? This all becomes incredibly complex when they're noticing something's wrong. So many people decide to stay inside the organization and fake it. Maybe they don't believe beards were ever important or they can do basic math on things like 1914 
or 144,000 throughout all of history being super unique, or they knew all along, including the second they heard it, that generations don't overlap. There are a lot of witnesses that know this stuff, folks. But so strong is the messaging that without those nine guys in New York, you're going to be killed at Armageddon anyway, that many decide to stay and fake it. They just move forward. For any Jehovah's Witness bravely listening to the show, it's nearly impossible to be a fake Jehovah's Witness for those that still believe in Jehovah. It's really a conundrum, isn't it? You might be someone who wants to leave and wants to believe in Jehovah, the God of the Bible, but you've been taught for decades there is no believing in him without the nine of them, those friendly faces you see on JW Broadcasting. And despite the example of the governing body and their own Christianity a la carte model, devotion to God simply isn't taught that way in the Bible or by the leadership of Jehovah's Witnesses. To believe in Jehovah and try to fake it, it just really isn't possible, folks. That's my opinion. You can't have one without the other in Jehovah's Witnesses. For example, yet another one of thousands of reminders that they make sure to hit Jehovah's Witnesses with. The Watchtower of 2014, July 15th, pages 7 through 11, has a series of articles, Jehovah Knows Those Who Belong to Him. It says there, quote, It is also sobering to know that Jehovah does not tolerate hypocritical worship. As his eyes are roving about through all the earth, he can detect those whose heart is not complete toward him. Jehovah detests a devious person, says Proverbs 3.32, such as one who deliberately puts up a front, feigning obedience while practicing sin in secret. Although a devious person may skillfully deceive other humans for a while, Jehovah's almightiness and righteousness guarantee that the one covering over his transgressions will not succeed. End quote. Is it possible to fake being a Jehovah's Witness? Can you half-ass it for a time? Yeah. There's people doing it right now. And I'm not judging them. I want to go on record of that. Every situation's unique. I'm going to get into that. However, for the Jehovah's Witness who thinks they can just stay, fake it, disagree with the governing body, and Jehovah doesn't know, well, uh, that ain't possible. It's in print. And I feel like on a subject that's as complex as this, I'm not doing a great job explaining this. But in a nutshell, to fake being a Jehovah's Witness is again very possible as long as you're comfortable with Jehovah knowing what you're doing or the only other option which is to no longer believe in Jehovah and you're faking being a Jehovah's Witness for other reasons. Ah, now that is indeed an interesting and important reality. Before I move on to the question that truly interests me in this discussion, I think it's important to say that I personally support anyone faking it all to keep their family. That might be the biggest message in this crazy episode. Again, I am a person who bases my life on motives. I've seen families and good people completely torn apart by this religion. Devastating lifetime consequences of being a Jehovah's Witness and you decide to leave. I know of many, and it makes me sick, I know of many people, personal friends, that have ended their lives because they were being shunned by their family and friends inside Jehovah's Witnesses. So if you haven't picked up on my feelings on this in past shows, I'm going on record right here in this episode as saying that only you, only you, dear listener, anyone thinking about this, knows what you can handle. And only you will face the consequences if you are to stay or if you are to leave. 
if faking it to keep the people you love isn't harming anyone but you, and you've decided you can handle that, and you can handle the meetings, you can handle the juvenile literature, you can handle the lying, you can handle everything else that comes with it, then I support you. I am against people losing people they love. With that said, not everyone can do that. But I know that there are those that can't. We see it every day with stuff coming out of New York. People on the lam or in secret giving us info. They no longer believe in any of it, but they found a way to keep that to themselves and they navigate the world of Jehovah's Witnesses just to keep the people they love in their life. To illustrate, I doubt any of us like going to the dentist, but we do it to keep our teeth, right? How someone does that varies by circumstance. And I often answer personal messages on how to navigate faking their life as a Jehovah's Witness, the schedule, the elders, and everything else that comes with it in creating that fake JW persona, that life. I get a lot of questions about that, which is the purpose of this episode. There is no shame and there should be no guilt in making a personal decision to fake it, stay, and keep your family. We all know the consequences. You didn't make the rules. They did. If they want to play ball, play it their way, and it benefits you, fantastic. In no world do I recommend subjecting yourself to any pain or loss for this organization. And I will also go on record here by stating that I believe this will change dramatically in the next 10 to 20 years as the children of those past generations begin to lose their Jehovah's Witness parents. Time catches us. Many who decide to stay and fake it are doing so to keep their older parents, to keep their older relatives or friends they love. When they're gone, it's probably a plan that they will be too at least from the organization. And wow, what brave, loving, incredible people you are if you're one of those people listening. To swim among the sharks to keep the love of your family in place is an incredible sacrifice, folks. It's incredible. Because being part of this organization when you know it's wrong is mind-numbing. Those people face a unique set of challenges and decisions with aging JW parents or loved ones. But what about younger people who are associated, but not yet dedicated, baptized JWs? Current and future generations born into this religion are already showing that they have no intention of faking anything. It's become so much more common. Their bravery is so admirable. Our generation may just not have the luxury of that. Those of us that are older and have older parents or loved ones. But the younger folks, my God, look at the number of activists on YouTube or right, with podcasts. They're voting with their feet by leaving the organization. And they have no fear of the spiritual consequences, despite the governing body's attempt to scare them to death. And they do it all the time. I am in complete admiration and respect for the younger generations doing this. Let me give you an example of what the governing body tells those young people. And I do this because when they make that brave decision to bolt, they have to face what they've been hearing. And this is what they've been hearing. The Watchtower of 2006, July 1st, pages 26 through 30, under the series of articles, Youths, Make It Your Choice to Serve Jehovah, we are told this, quote, Young ones, please do not imagine that by postponing baptism, you avoid accountability. When you have reached the age of responsibility, you are answerable to Jehovah for the way you act, whether you are baptized or not. End quote. Well, there it is. That loophole that so many JW parents use now when their kids fail to get baptized after coming to adulthood, they still associate with them. They're almost thankful they didn't get baptized. But the end message is this. It doesn't matter, young people. He's still going to kill you. That's the message. And so for people that are leaving, they have to contemplate this. There was a time that this sort of messaging scared us, my generation. 
But many of today's young people have decided to forego faking it and pleasing others. They simply know they just need to hold off on getting baptized and they can avoid the risk of shunning, which essentially takes away most of the reasons to live life as a fake witness anyway. It's just that fear. They play the loopholes that the nine guys in New York have created to tie themselves in knots. I often wonder if they ever get in a room and realize how stupid they've been. They don't. They keep doing it. The same guys that try to scare young people into getting baptized with the, that reference from 2006 Watchtower that I just read, they, they had a memory lapse. Did you know that? To prove how dumb they are and the loopholes they create and why young people are just foregoing the faking lifestyle, take a look now on their website under the About Us Frequently Asked Questions section where we are hit with this, quote, do Jehovah's Witnesses shun their children if they choose not to be baptized? Answer, no. Although witness parents feel sad if a child does not share their faith, they still love their child and do not sever their relationship solely because of their child's refusal to become a witness. End quote. Isn't it fascinating, folks? 2006, you're trying to dodge baptism because you're afraid you might get disfellowshipped if you slip up. Jehovah still sees it. He's still going to kill you. Don't try to fake it. And then this, on their website, parents can still hang out with their kids all they want if they haven't get baptized. They're just going to be a little sad about it. <laughs> what a massive change for this generation of Jehovah's Witnesses. A massive change. Those of us from past generations were told to get baptized or die. That was really the message. I'm not even trying to be dramatic. You had to be baptized or you were going to die at Armageddon. It was in talks. It was all over. There were even parents who stopped associating with their unbaptized kids if they decided not to be a JW. I actually know some. But today, a younger person who's been raised around this organization can push it all off, never has to consider being fake or what's wrong to be a witness, just don't do it. Claim you're not ready and live your best life without the risk or pain of shunning from the people you love. I have an entire episode on this in the past. Baptism, it's a trap, and it is. But it's fascinating when you consider the difference in generations. For those of us that are older, we were pressed into it. Young people today are still getting pressed, make no mistake, but they're deciding to forego faking it. They're looking at their parents and the organization and saying, nah, I don't think so. And they're not losing anything, folks. Their parents are just a little sad, as the website says. What an incredible dynamic and something for anyone to consider the DMs I get and the questions. Hey, should I fake it? Should I just get baptized and mail it in? No. No. The dynamic has changed. My generation and those of us from 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, we have it a little tougher in making those decisions. You do not. Don't do it. If you're on the fence, why take the risk? Just give it some time. Think it through. I'm a big believer in this. With all of that said, it's the second question I'm often asked that goes to my own feelings on authenticity, motive, and a whole bunch more. I'm often asked by people, look, Stacy, look, Aside from faking it, is it really a big deal to be a Jehovah's Witness? What's wrong with just being one? To that I say, like the first question, this is truly something that each individual should answer for themselves. I'm just a guy like you. Not that I'm setting myself up as an authority figure. But when I get these questions, I think that really depends on you. You're a precious, unique soul. How do you feel about it? Many people may consider associating with Jehovah's Witnesses to be no big deal at all. They just see that as just associating with any other church or religion that gives them a sense of community, where their friends are at. In addition, there are some fantastic people that are Jehovah's Witnesses, and it's possible to create real friendships inside Jehovah's Witnesses. There's some good stuff. There's some good stuff. But with all of that said, I'm going to make a really blunt and bold statement because I guess you do that when it's 
your show and you're the only one on it. And I just want to underline that this is my opinion. My opinion only, and you're free to disagree or turn this off. So here's my blunt answer to that question. What's wrong with being a Jehovah's Witness? I mean, why is it a big deal? Here's your chance to exit stage left. Are you ready? Five, four, three, two, one. Stacy, what's wrong with being a Jehovah's Witness? Answer from Stacy, in my opinion, or the authentic person, everything. Everything. I know it's blunt, it's bold, and it's opinionated, but I doubt you're shocked if you're here. When I'm asked this question, I have to take a deep breath. I just got to be honest because my knee-jerk reaction is to react the same way I did when I realized what I was part of, which was highly emotional, exploding, talking to everyone, calling friends, begging them to leave with me, all sorts of insane, did you know this? Did you know that? It's very emotional. It took me years to realize that I need to rein it in. It's a common reaction with a Jehovah's Witness when they actually realize the truth about uh, the truth. So after 14 years, I've learned a thing or two, and I've been able to rein in my emotions. And I try to tell people, especially in the beginning, take a breath. Take a deep breath. Again, I can't state it enough. What a person decides to do with this issue of being a JW or not, it, it comes down to that. It's a very personal decision and no one should be judging because there's a lot of complex issues. But if your circumstances don't include losing everyone and everything you know inside the organization and you're contemplating what to do, I encourage you to consider what it means to support the organization of Jehovah's Witnesses. Even if you're just a quiet person that rolls up to the Kingdom Hall weekly, sits in the back row, likes the pictures of paradise, likes the people there, is warm and fuzzy, and just a genuinely good person. Might study a little. Maybe you answer once or twice at the Watchtower study in a month. Gives a little in the contribution box when you can. And just loves everything about a God of love and His Son, Jesus. All of that aside, I think it's important to share with you here some facts you should consider when asking, hey, what's wrong with being a Jehovah's Witness? I'll start with the relatively personal, mundane stuff, if you will. Even though it's not mundane, in my opinion, it's the less dramatic, I guess, for lack of a better term. And then I'll move into the serious stuff that you should consider. Please note, in the interest of time, I'm choosing just only a few reasons that impacted me and my own decision when I decided to leave. I'm going to start here with one. The number one thing is, when you're considering what's wrong with being a J-Dub, is this. Without question, your life will focus on the negative. Constantly. When asking what's wrong with being one, consider the weight of living under a depressing, high-control, doom-and-gloom environment for the rest of your life. Once you commit to baptism inside Jehovah's Witnesses, the stakes rise. You will be required to attend multiple weekly meetings featuring reminders on how terrible the world is as men stand on stage and use tragic world events to prove that they alone have the answers to all of life's problems. Incidentally, the answer is that everyone who doesn't obey them is going to be killed in a horrific genocide. See last week's Doomsday episode, including a long menu of ways you might die. <laughs> if you do manage to dodge a fireball or a lightning bolt, you may be swallowed by the earth. But if you somehow skip over the earthquake, your skin may then rot off your face or your next door neighbor may kill you under the influence of what we're told is confusion brought on by the loving God, Jehovah. That is truly the message you will continue to hear. You'll roll up to that kingdom hall looking for some encouragement in life, beaten down, stressed out, tired, only to be hit with a long list of things well, you should be doing better anyway. 
that salvation isn't guaranteed anyway, and the grim reminder of how terrible life is for you and all of us in the, quote, last days that never seem to end. On their website, under the section Bible Teachings, Bible Questions Answered, the section is, what is the sign of the last days or end times? You are hit with some doozies. Including the fact that anyone considering a passive lifestyle inside Jehovah's Witnesses should consider this is what you are going to be listening to at meeting after meeting after convention after video. A long list of why the world's implosion has been in motion since 1914. So settle back in your seat as the governing body reminds you on a weekly basis that death is imminent in the last days. And here's their list of proof. War on a large scale, famine, great earthquakes, disease, crime, ruining of the earth, deteriorating attitudes, breakdown of the family, diminished love of God, and religious hypocrisy. That's right off the website. This is stuff you got to consider if you're going to passively mail it in. This is what you're going to be listening to. And some people are tough enough, as I already noted, to do it. Most aren't. Aside from the constant reminders of how terrible life is today, the negativity creeps into you, into your very home. Dare I say, into your very brain, as they tell Jehovah's Witnesses that anything they get from them at the meetings, conventions, and the governing body is all just undeserved kindness anyway. Sort of like telling your children, I'll love you even if you don't deserve it. <laughs> it's a real fuzzy feeling. It goes on and on as everything from the hair on your body to what you watch to who your friends are to your medical decisions to your clothes to your very motives to who you're attracted to romantically on and on it goes inside the world of Jehovah's Witnesses with you checking all of your personal rights at the door and subjecting yourself to discipline and shunning if you don't agree with the nine guys in New York you're likely never going to meet and they're enforcers, otherwise known as the local body of elders. If you're thinking about just faking it, or mailing it in, or what's the big deal in being one, associating with Jehovah's Witnesses can be a laid-back experience. <laughs> sort of like attending many other denominations and churches. If you're thinking that, please, please think again. It simply isn't true. It isn't true at all. It's a high control organization. An example, the Kingdom Ministry of July 1975, pages one through three, meetings keep us together is the title of the article. We get this nugget, quote, a good relationship with Jehovah depends on the way we worship him. Mere passive worship has never been acceptable. Every requirement of pure worship involves earnest effort. Attending meetings is one of the ways we make that effort. End quote. Ah, going to be tough to fake it or just be a, quote, passive worshiper. Jehovah won't accept you anyway. You're wasting your visit to the kingdom hall. And in the end, while this seems like a little thing by comparison to the few things that I'm about to share, what follows, I would ask, is it? Is it really a little thing? And furthermore, why would anyone consider a passive... Uh, let me back up. Why would anyone considering a passive life as a Jehovah's Witness want to be exposed to this week after week? In the interest of time on this dynamic alone, please consider listening to past episodes of this show. I know it's repetitive for the loyal listeners, and I apologize for that, but it's a message that I think needs to get out, and this week was particularly busy with people asking these questions. It's very, very important that everyone understands by just staying in and not thinking it's a big deal after all, even if you don't believe it, you're still going to be exposed to this messaging on a regular basis. But how about a second thing to consider? 
this is a big one, even if it's not clearly, yeah, I can't even say that. How about a second one? These guys lie to you regularly, and they still demand that you obey them. You can consider a life like that, but just note that it's a very real thing in Jehovah's Witnesses. It would take hours to consider how many times the governing body has lied to Jehovah's Witnesses through the decades, but it is very well documented, and it has gone on since the beginning of the organization in the 1800s. Started with pyramids and all Jesus showing up in 1874. And I, lies, lies, and more lies. Everything from the dates for the end of the world, Jesus deciding to return, but he's going to stay invisible when he returns, that they're his one and only choice, and lists of lies, deadly counsel, and misery that rivals the grains of sand on any beach you might be on, it's all there. You can find it. And they have no problem lying to millions, then saying, well, we just adjusted their beliefs decades down the road from when they first said it. In fact, a small example of this can be found on their website right now. It has its own section titled, Beliefs Clarified, 1986 to 2023. Oh, the irony when I stumbled into that section. Please look it up on their website via the search bar. Clarified? Beliefs clarified? Is that just a fancy word for beliefs changed? Because it is. And there's an entire section of it. Some people would actually consider that lying to millions of people. Most of us would probably consider it that. You're a smart person and you know God doesn't care about beards. Their answer to that is, so what? Obey us anyway. You know generations don't ever overlap. No one's ever heard of such a thing unless it's a science fiction movie. Uh, it, their answer to that is, so what? Obey. From the Watchtower of 2014, May 15th, pages 26 through 30, Are You Moving Ahead with Jehovah's Organization? is the article. The quote is this. If we are to have Jehovah's favor and blessing as individuals, we must support his organization and accept adjustments in our understanding of the scriptures. May each of us stick to God, keep pace with his people, and continue to move ahead with Jehovah's organization. End quote. How about another? The Watchtower of 1983, January 15th, page 22, Avoid. Independent Thinking says, quote, Avoid questioning the counsel that is provided by God's visible organization. End quote. Two such examples when you're thinking, ah, come on now, is it really a big deal to be a Jehovah's Witness? Can I fake it? They're going to tell you one thing and change it later. You can see that the sky is blue, but they keep telling you the sky is red. Shut down your brain is the command from the governing body. From the Watchtower of 1967, June 1st, page 338, we get this, quote, In Jehovah's organization, it is not necessary to spend a lot of time and energy in research, <laughs> for there are brothers in the organization who are assigned to do that very thing, to help you who do not have so much time for this. These preparing the good material in the Watchtower and other publications of the Society. End quote. You don't need to study. Don't even look up our references. Don't check us. Don't fact check us. You don't need to do that. You don't have time for that. You see, if you think you can be a passive Jehovah's Witness and have your own thoughts and randomly show up to a few meetings like any other church or denomination, you really can't. Not if you're going to be accepted as a faithful Jehovah's Witness. And you will do all of this even as the belief system changes before your eyes. Not just on things, stupid things like facial hair of a few weeks ago, but on what's required with your own body, health issues, and much more serious topics, life and death stuff. And again, at the risk of self-promotion, listen in on past episodes here. 
Your thoughts are not your own. They're their thoughts. And you should accept what they tell you. You don't have to study. So if you're contemplating this, just know what you're walking into. My question is this, again, why would anyone want to live a life like this? Why? It's a question only each of us can answer. And now for just one of thousands of the lies the nine guys have told Jehovah's Witnesses, here's one of my favorites and it's well known, The Awake of 1969, May 22nd, page 15, where we get one of their best. Quote, if you are a young person, you also need to face the fact that you will never grow old in this present system of things. End quote. 1969. I was two. I'm now 56. Um, one of thousands of the lies Jehovah's Witnesses are exposed to, whether you're dyed in the wool and faithful, or you're wondering what's wrong with just being a passive one and faking it. This is what you'll be fed. But how about a third reason? By being a Jehovah's Witness, make no mistake, make no mistake on this. I'm going to be bold and blunt. You support an organization that cares little about children. Fact. For a regular listener, I know this seems repetitive, but candidly, it's the biggest reason I started this little show. There isn't enough that can be said about the danger to children inside Jehovah's Witnesses. I have an old episode on it. I can't find it in me to tone this message down. But for anyone that is asking, hey, is it really a big deal to be a JW? You know, I just kind of passively hang in and out of there. What's wrong with being a Jehovah's Witness? What follows anyone asking those questions of themselves should give you serious pause. Children are exposed to all the same messaging as adult Jehovah's Witnesses are. In fact, the governing body doubles down on children by creating publications and cartoons targeting little people with their messages. Children are baptized and put through the same mental and emotional grinder as an adult Jehovah's Witness. I've put emphasis on this so many times on this show. Lots out there to listen to if you're interested in digging deeper. But aside from the mental anguish and all of the lost potential, there is a very real physical danger to children as well. Including encouraging sick kids who desperately need something like a blood transfusion to instead choose death as their prime option. It deserves a much deeper conversation, can't be emphasized enough, but please note it if you're wondering what's wrong with being a Jehovah's Witness. But it doesn't stop there. Tonight, in the kingdom halls of Jehovah's Witnesses, you may sit your child next to a pedophile. You won't know because you haven't been told by the elders. And Jehovah's Witnesses won't report that person to the authorities unless it's required of them by law. In addition, they even know and have that person's information in a secret database they've paid millions of dollars to keep private, to keep from you. Every congregation in the state of Pennsylvania in the United States is currently under investigation for protecting pedophiles in their local kingdom halls, with several of those people now being arrested. Australia uncovered over a thousand pedophiles inside their congregations over a time span, and the list goes on. So if you really are someone, honest-heartedly going, eh, what's wrong with being a Jehovah's Witness? I mean, what's wrong with it? You have to consider this. This is who you're supporting. Guilt by association. It's not deniable. Anyone, anyone who is supporting the leadership and organization of Jehovah's Witnesses is guilty by association of putting children in danger. 
While no one would likely admit or agree to that blunt statement on my behalf, make no mistake, by obedience to those nine guys and their men, by making donations with your money, by preaching their message, you're supporting that evil. In their own words, from the awake of May 22nd, 2005, page 13, it makes this comment to land the point home if it's more palatable. Quote, for example, note the kind of dishonesty described in this Bible verse. I have not sat with men of untruth and with those who hide what they are. I do not come in. Faking isn't an option. From Psalms 26.4, back to the quote, What is meant by those who hide what they are? Some Bible translations here read hypocrites. As one reference work notes, this expression can be applied to those who hide their purposes or designs from others or who conceal their real character and intentions. End quote. It's a stunning example of their own lack of self-awareness. Someone who harms children and the very people who won't expose them are evil by their own standards. Authenticity? Come on. How does this get any worse? Do you still want to proudly wear that convention badge out to the restaurant at the district convention this year? Because this stuff is international news now. It's everywhere. It's not a secret. So for anyone contemplating what's wrong with being a Jehovah's Witness, eh, bluntly stated, how about supporting an organization that doesn't protect children? That's a way simplified version of the level of evil that many have endured. They have the scars now as adults. Kids that are sitting in a kingdom hall now just feet away from someone who has very impure, disturbing desires that are have not been exposed to the parents so that they know to protect their kids? That's Jehovah's Witnesses, folks. There's no denying it. Consider it. But in a final thing that I think was important, at least for me, when considering, can I fake it? Can I stay in it? What's wrong with all this? This is just one more that I just, I just can't get past and never was able to. And it's simple. It's the deaths of thousands of people that never had to die. I couldn't get past the rub on this one because I could read the good book. Jesus said the following in the Bible at John 14, 6. He said, Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life, end quote. I at one time was in an organization that claimed it had sayings of everlasting life. Jesus says he does, but has contributed to the thousands and thousands of unnecessary deaths. I ask you to just consider a few examples as you contemplate the question, can I fake being a Jehovah's Witness? What's wrong with being one? From their website under the frequently asked questions section, we are told this, quote, about 1,500 of Jehovah's Witnesses died during the time of the Holocaust. End quote. The irony being that Judge Joe Rutherford himself during that same time period was anti-Semitic and fueling the hatred towards Jews. And there's proof in print. How, do you, one, how does one get past that? It's an actual ancient yearbook text. <laughs> A book they've mothballed. Or how about medical issues? From studies available online, an estimated 33,246 Jehovah's Witnesses died during a 56-year period for refusing a life-saving blood transfusion, averaging out to about 594 precious, one-of-a-kind souls every year. For a doctrine not taught anywhere in the Bible. It's incredible. But how about this? Furthermore, from the Cambridge University Press of January 2018, under the article Mental Health of Jehovah's Witnesses, we find a published study that drops this little fact. Quote, These findings suggest that being a member of Jehovah's Witnesses' faith 
may be a risk factor predisposing to a schizophrenic illness. End quote. Back to my own thoughts. This type of stuff puts people at a higher risk for things like self-harm. There are several studies showing the suicide rate among Jehovah's Witnesses to be five to ten times higher than the rest of the population. It's estimated because it's difficult to measure. I'll just tell you this, painfully. Myself and many of us listening have known someone who was a Jehovah's Witness and had this tragic ending. I know several. This isn't stuff you can just dismiss if you decide you want to fake it or what's wrong with being a Jehovah's Witness. You're supporting an organization that does this. And with the guy they claim is their king, Jesus Christ of the Gospels, leading the entire organization, allegedly, with endless messages of things like love and life right from his own book, you have to wonder why so much tragedy follows the guys he chose here on the earth. They literally have a trail of death behind them, some of which have been completely unnecessary. Many younger generations don't even know the history of Malawi during the 60s and 70s. For those of us that were kids, we remember all the people in our congregations vigorously writing letters to the Malawi government, begging them not to harm our African brothers and sisters. Despite having a book known as the Bible, you remember that one, where the faithful servants of their of Jehovah in times past served in uh, government positions. You might remember people like Joseph, like Daniel as examples. They sent thousands of Africans to their death, they being the governing body, because of the following. From the Watchtower, February 1st, 1968, page 71, a reference that I still makes me sick, quote, at Lilongwe in central Malawi, 170 homes of these Christians were burned down in three nights. In the Fort Johnston district, slightly to the south, 34 homes and 18 food storage places were burned down toward the end of October. At Mbable, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, on October 27th, the Christians of two congregations all had their homes burned down while they, including the women, were stripped of their clothes and brutally beaten. Since this is the way the witnesses of Jehovah conduct themselves, why then all this violent persecution of them in Malawi? Get ready. Quote, One of the main reasons is that the witnesses refuse to buy membership cards in Malawi's Congress party, as well as refuse to buy and wear badges with the picture of the president of Malawi, Dr. H. Kamuza Banda, end quote. Thousands of Africans died over a piece of paper. Despite their king's message in his holy book to pay Caesar's things to Caesar, that he reads their hearts anyway, don't sweat it, Daniel, Joseph, and others actually served the government and are held up as men of faith. But you, don't you carry that piece of paper. And people died. This is the organization that anyone contemplating whether to fake it or to continue on should consider. I stated at the outset, I'm big on all things authenticity, on all things real. And it's for that reason that when someone asks me if I think it's okay to fake being a Jehovah's Witness, or is it really that wrong to be a J-Dub, you can probably sense I have some pretty strong feelings about it. I hope I've given somebody somewhere something to think about if they're on the fence with those questions. For those that continue to associate with Jehovah's Witnesses in order to keep their family Ugh, I so support you. I applaud you. You're truly a hero, sacrificing stuff I can't even imagine. That you're able to do that while enduring what they expose you to. Look, it's brave. And dare I say it, it is loving. It's an act of love that your other relatives, the people you may be staying for, may never understand. It's a sacrifice. 
For those that continue on as a Jehovah's Witness simply because they don't see it as a big deal or they admit they're just too lazy to change their life, well, I find that less acceptable. Was that politically correct enough? But are you still thinking you can fake being a Jehovah's Witness or that there's nothing wrong with passively associating with them? If what we covered here wasn't enough to make you think about being a Jehovah's Witness at any level or second think it, how about something from their very own book? From Ephesians chapter 5, verses 10 through 12 of the New World Translation, we are told, quote, Keep on making sure of what is acceptable to the Lord and stop sharing in the unfruitful works that belong to the darkness. Rather, expose them for what they are. For the things they do in secret are shameful, even to mention. End quote. So when I'm hit with those questions, can I fake it? What's the big deal? I answer those questions with one of my own. Who are you? With nothing but respect for some of us, authenticity just isn't an option. It's who we choose to be. I want to thank you for joining me this week. A little bit intense. Until we're back together, wherever you may be, be well.